0: Welcome to 43rd and Woodland, the intersection where family and science forge together. I'm Jared Hunter, class of 2016.
1: And I'm Sean Ahern, class of 2019, and we are your hosts. Excited to bring you another episode for your personal and professional development.
0: Today on 43rd and Woodland, we're very excited to sit down with Rosemary Halt, who was recently appointed by the county government of Delaware County to lead the efforts in coordinating the public health crisis around COVID-19 for Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Rosemary, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So give us a little bit about your background, where you are coming from, and and where you are now.
2: Well, I'll start with my youth sciences. So I graduated in 1989 from Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, which wasn't youth sciences at that point. (laughs) And I graduated my Bachelor of Science in Pharmacy, and practiced as a pharmacist for a number of years. And then in 2009, went back and got my Master's in Public Health at University of Sciences in the Mays College. And I always had an interest in public health, even when I was practicing as a pharmacist. I was always the one that was volunteering to go and do, you know, the community educational programs on brown bag education and things like that. So I have always been drawn to it. Had been working for the PA chapter of American Academy of Pediatrics in my early career, doing safe medication workshops for child care centers. When I went and got my MPH, I interned at Maternity Care Coalition in Philadelphia, which is a nonprofit serving high-risk mothers in the five county area and I enjoyed that experience so much that they took me back and hired me as their policy director. And I worked as their policy director until I left maternity care coalition on March thirteenth after (laughs) after a call from county council asking me to take on this project. Part and it's not out of the blue that they called me. I had been trying to get a county health department in Delaware County for fifteen years. Hmm. We're the largest county in the United States without a county health department. And yeah, in the middle of COVID. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the county council was aware of my efforts. And starting in January, we have an, a totally new county council. And they are the first council in Delaware County that is a Democratic council. Previously, it had been Republican since the Civil War. Wow. And public health is a bipartisan issue. But right. this particular council was committed to having a county health department. And I was on their transition team for their public health section. So you know, this relationship, I think, was important. And we were able, you know, to work through things in January and February, working towards a public health department, and then COVID hit. And we had to speed up the process. (laughs) (laughs) And we had partnered, and I don't know if everybody is aware of this. So a very unusual situation occurred in the Chester County commissioners offered These services of the Chester County Health Department to aid Delaware County. And normally, for counties in Pennsylvania without health departments, they're covered under the Pennsylvania Department of Health. Mm. And the Pennsylvania Department of Health said, okay, if Chester County does it, but they're just gonna take care of health issues around COVID 19. So we have a very special permission of the Pennsylvania Department of Health and Governor Wolf to operate under the Chester County Health Department for COVID 19 until we form our own health department, which will take about two years.
0: You, wow. You really answered the call.
2: Uh, Yeah, it was, <laughs> my husband <laughs> questions my sanity, um, <laughs> but everybody's been very supportive. I mean, there's a lot of challenges right now, as everybody mm-hmm. knows, but I do want to emphasize that having had the U Sciences experience, both as an alumni and having gone there twice and also the U Sciences alumni president this year. Right,
0: mm-hmm. right,
2: right. So yeah, great year to be president. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guarantee they wouldn't want anyone else. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So I, I'm taking that on. And unfortunately, you know, we had a lot of great plans for this year, working with, you know, the alumni office and institutional advancement. However, unfortunately, because of COVID, you know, reunion and, and a lot of other activities that we wanted to do yeah. um, are going to be paused. But that means next year is our 200th anniversary. Right. And it'll mm-hmm. be even more of a reason to celebrate.
0: Exactly. So definitely.
2: We're going to be planning towards that. And we're looking for lots and lots of alumni, especially ones who haven't been involved, to (laughs) take this opportunity and really get together and help to do something good. Yeah, Yeah.
1: that's a call to all the alumni out there listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're asking (laughs) asking for you.
2: (laughs) We need you.
1: Yes. But Rosemary, I mean, truly incredible everything that you've done and continue to do day in and day out. And I mean, does the fact that go and get your pharmacy degree, come back and MPH and still be so involved with the university and doing everything with Delaware County. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you shed some light on it before, but I guess maybe go into more detail of how you scientists has prepared you to where you are today and what you're doing.
2: Well, I'll go back to my pharmacy days back then we didn't have the doctorate program. It was the the five-year Bachelor of Science program. Mm-hmm. And I really felt, the reason I went to Youth Sciences, I live in the Philadelphia area, grew up here. So I did want a, a local school, but the, you know, there is lots of still other opportunities in the area. And I just felt Youth Sciences was a real community. And I felt that the professors that I had interacted with through my five years really were inspiring and really challenged you but also supported you and let you know that you could do this. You know, I think of several professors, one, you know, everybody loves Dr. Hussar. <laughs> but, you know, I'll just give an example of Dr. Hussar and his family. When I was at U Sciences, you know, I was helping with some student organizations, including the I think they changed the name of it, but at the time I was the class president in my senior year and Dr. Hussar and his wife and several other faculty, you know, came, we had a picnic at our house and he supported it and he got other, really supported the students, really encouraged us to do things like that. And, um, you know, i that 's just one small example, but even when as a student, you know I was at times everybody' struggles, and I was struggling and he was always there to you know come in and help and wasn 't saying you you can 't do this. He always said, "You can do this, just try this method and, and there was lots of professors like that, and so I think that that was a real important opportunity to utilize the professors that we had here, but also the other students you know many of the students that I met there have gone on and in their professional careers. And I bump into people all the time through professional organizations, such as the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association and um, American Public Health Association. I see a lot of youth sciences faculty at, as well as the, you know, American Pharmacists Association. So lots of places that I continually bump into fellow alumni and they really, especially I'll go back to COVID. I reached out to several professors when I've had questions in this uncharted territory like hey there's crazy things coming from certain places in our (laughs) democracy that are saying you know you should take this type of supplement or do that and you know um, when you're trying to do public health guidance talking to other people that can give you that is really helpful
0: Yeah. yeah yeah definitely and i'm wondering you know the point that you had brought up you know what is that for you look like in terms of actually connecting with alumni you know what are some of the things that you've done if any especially now to stay connected to the alumni um, that you know outside of what you do with the association because i think a lot of people are really interested in ways that they can stay connected with folks and even more so i've actually reached out to a lot of alumni friends that i've made at college more probably in the last few months uh, Mm -hmm. than maybe in the last few years
2: yeah I mean you know just using basic social media platforms like facebook there's a facebook group that um a lot of different classes have facebook groups mm-hmm. and and then also yeah again i I go back to the professional organizations because if you mm-hmm. go to any professional organization you'll find you sciences
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah <laughs> alumni involved so it's pretty i find that pretty easy you know you mention where you go and then people immediately have another connection to you so yeah. And then I also think the institutional advancement at any of the meetings also have usually social events, Mm. especially the large national meetings. So encouraging people to go that, that's another great way to meet people. Especially if you're in another state, because people like to get together at a, you know, say, oh, the conventions in Georgia or something like that. It's a great place to meet fellow alumni. And then I, I also feel like just connecting through where you're working all of us are all over the place but a lot of us have worked for like large chains or hospital systems you could form your own alumni group in those areas and we're trying to do that with the alumni association encourage people to you know if you work for a larger company to maybe make like a lunchtime zoom meeting group or something (laughs) you could do that so you know being creative like that is helpful
0: sure yeah that's a great point and so back to my scripted question. <laughs> so we're talking a lot about all of the things that you're doing, kind of what about you science has kind of led up to where you are. So I'm interested in what does the work that you do look like on a day to day basis? What does that entail? Obviously, this is a relatively new position and a new. So um, what does that look like as it's kind of being molded and it's still kind of in its nascency as you're kind of helping to lead that charge in the middle of this
2: pandemic? Oh, I have not had one day like the other. <laughs> I can tell you right <laughs> that, and since March thirteenth, yeah, it's been a lot of long days, seven <laughs> days a week. One of the things that we're working really hard—I'll I'll speak to right now—is doing more COVID testing. So, although our numbers are going down, so the percent positivity rate, which public health people talk about, is what we're looking at right now. And we're trying to keep it below 5% because that allows Mm -hmm. us to do the things that everybody keeps hearing in the news, contact tracing and case investigation. And so those things are really important in stopping the spread. So we were in community spread, you know, like in the red phase and part of the yellow. And now we can actively go back to contact tracing and case investigation. And because of that, we are able to look at what are the factors that led to this person becoming positive and who they interacted with? And that's the key to stopping the spread. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that has been really difficult is in communities that do not have access to testing. So, right now, um, we developed a mobile testing unit that's going to be launched next week. <laughs> we did some trials already, and the mobile testing unit will go around Delaware County to communities that really particularly our minority communities communities that may not have access to healthcare and the mobile unit will go in there to do testing on anybody over 18 that would like it and it's free of charge that has taken a lot of work to get to this point
0: yeah
2: but we feel it's critical to keep covid is not going away mm-hmm. and i will just say if anybody's been watching the news in fact in the united states we are about to hit some of the highest numbers yeah come to date. And so it's really concerning that we work so hard in Pennsylvania to, you know, be in the red, do social distancing, staying at home. And those things could be threatened by the outbreaks in other states if people are traveling back and forth. So our other part right now is communicating that to people. And I will speak to the young alumni, the 20 to 30 age group. You guys are great, but you're also our real little problem right now <laughs> because everybody has <laughs> been, you know, and my kids, I, I will say my own kids are in their twenties and yeah. their late like twenties, you know, you, everybody's been at home and they miss their friends and now everybody wants to be outside. Wow. Um, and the bars are really, really a risky area. Mm-hmm. So community spread happens rapidly in closed rooms or bars or locations and it is added to by people drinking and talking loudly and singing and things like that so those things are really high risk factors mm-hmm. and we're trying to figure out how to you know allow people to have some time with their friends and be responsible but you know it's really difficult to think about a large outdoor bar where nobody is social distancing and they think they're all safe outside and you know, mm-hmm. I walked by one in maniunk the other day, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh,, yeah. yeah, so um you know i'm I am concerned about those types of things, so that's we're monitoring that every day. My usual day begins sadly, with a medical examiner's daily report, mm. so
0: yeah
2: um, looking at the deaths there, and right now, and this really does link back to a lot of the work that you sciences folks are doing around the opioid epidemic, unfortunately. The pandemic changes people, we had a sharp decrease in opioid deaths during the height of the red phase. Mm -hmm. However, now we're seeing an increase in opioid deaths because so many people are starting to use again Mm -hmm. and are using in ways that previously that they, you know, the same dosages that they had before and now, you know, their bodies can't accept that and Mm -hmm. they overdose very quickly. So sad note up to this. So on top of everything else, we're worried about that. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to get communication. And I think that's where like local pharmacists and other healthcare professionals like you science graduates can really help in educating the community about that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Again, I don't mean to take away from going off script, but you know, my own background is in community development and with a, a large focus on underserved populations and communities. So I'm wondering, you know, What are some of the things or some of the takeaways that you've seen so far specifically with underserved or kind of minority populations as this pandemic has kind of really affected those populations to such a a high extent and at such a higher rate than others?
2: Yeah, I can only speak to Delaware County. And um, Hmm. so I won't speak to the other municipalities in this area. But in Delaware County, we are very concerned and have been monitoring those certain communities particularly our lower income communities and communities that really border Philadelphia. So for us, we're looking at the Upper Derby, Yaden, Lansdowne, those areas. And they were particularly hit hard too by, you know, some of the protesting that went on.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And in those communities, we have seen, unfortunately, because many people have been you know, not accessing, weren't able to access testing because the originally testing was so limited. And without the federal government's support of testing until recently, we just didn't have test kits and we didn't have a health department, right? So Delaware <laughs> County, so we had no way of really doing large-scale testing. So we had to rely on the healthcare systems. And unfortunately, the healthcare systems were only prepared to test those who had insurance. So I think there was a large population that was missed. And that's why we're finally been able to get the funding and the ability to do our mobile testing. Um, But it's July and we're just getting this running. So, you know, it's been very frustrating, but we've been um, lucky to be working with the Black Doctors Consortium to bring in testing to the city of Chester and Yadin and Upper Darby. We continue to work with them and the Urban League and I'm working with some other organizations to hopefully bring in expanded testing on a regular basis besides our mobile unit to make sure that we're covering those communities. So last Saturday, the 27th, we had a large-scale testing in the city of Chester, for example, that was organized by the city of Chester's Board of Health. Hmm. For those who don't know, the city of Chester is in Delaware County, not Chester (laughs) County, and the city of Chester is the poorest city in Pennsylvania. Hmm. So making sure that we are servicing everyone. With testing and other needs, um, we're also doing food service to those areas. So Mm. thousands and thousands of meals are being delivered every day into communities. And we're connecting with the school district's food service as well, Mm. because food is also public health. (laughs) And so there's lots of things happening to make sure that people have access to really critical um, resources at this time. Yeah, that's I, One of the things that we're also monitoring and unfortunately at the beginning, it wasn't required in Pennsylvania, but now we're making sure that all the lab testing is also marking demographic information. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know if we're missing communities and to know who's actually getting tested. That's great.
1: Yeah. And Rosemary, I'm, I'm glad you bring it up with not even just this being a COVID issue, but discussing again, like these underserved communities where, they might not have access to to food, or like you brought up the opioid epidemic, kind of running not side by side, but I mean playing a factor with COVID-19. And to see that again, everything kind of goes hand in hand here. And it's to see how incredible, at least Delaware County, has been able to respond to the situation in these lower income counties or counties that, just like you said, right, haven't been able to get access to testing. With that, like you said, Delaware County sounds like they're really planning ahead and kind of getting at the forefront of this. What would you recommend, I guess, other states, counties, or even the entire country to do?
2: Well, I mean, in fairness, we're working with some really great partners. So Chester County Health Department is really helping Delaware County, and we're actually doing the best we can. But lots of other communities are doing great stuff in this. I'll just speak to the Philadelphia area, so like Montgomery County has been really doing very similar things as well. But I'll speak to overdose prevention because prior to COVID, that was another area that I worked a lot on. So we had formed the Regional Overdose Prevention Coalition, the RPC. And so that was for the, a five-county effort to really collaborate on response to the opioid epidemic. And so we worked with Prevention Point, all the county human services agencies, pharmacists. So Dr. George Downs at Youth Sciences is involved in this mm-hmm. um, and lots of other really great partners at Youth Sciences and across the area. So pharmacists have a critical role to play in this as well as other healthcare professionals. And so really interesting when we started getting involved and Dr. Dan Vitronelli was also very involved. And when the three of us started getting involved, it was funny because people are like, Oh, pharmacists. Yeah. They should be involved in this. <laughs> so I think that's really critical. And, and the great, again, I point back to the great resources that use sciences and just bringing people together that you can rely on to help you either. I mean, we, we were the along with um, Dr. Renee Cassie at Chester County health department and the Delaware County and Chester County medical society and Philadelphia medical society all these entities got, you know, there was 12 leaders that got together and said, Hey, we need to do something and pulled this together. And we've been operating for three and a half years now and we have quarterly meetings and worked with the managed care organizations have worked with the state and really trying to drive policy change particularly. And one of the things that we're really, you know, also focusing along with that is, is ensuring that we're getting the messages out to every community, but looking at are we meeting people where they're at mm-hmm. and not talking at them, but talking with them
0: yeah.
2: is really critical.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, all of those points, you know, yeah. for my education and my training and experience in community engagement, all of those points, I'm glad to hear that those are also being incorporated into what you're doing down there as well. And so we touched on this a little bit and I want to bring it back toward some of the USI focus as well. So obviously, you are in a critical leader position with the Alumni Association. So I'm wondering to what extent these conversations have kind of seeped into what the Alumni Association is focused on in terms of kind of getting the university back to normal, what alumni can do to help that process along. And I know you mentioned it. So uh, maybe you can go into a little bit more detail about what some of the plans look like within the next year or so as we try to kind of focus on the future and the hopeful and the bright side of things with the Bicentennial and reunion and things like that.
2: Yeah. So we're really trying to talk to alumni. Uh, We do feel like we're going to continue to do zoom meetings for our regular alumni quarterly meetings that Mm. happen for the alumni board of directors and as well as our committee meetings, So we'd love to have people be involved in that. So if you graduate from U Sciences, you're an alumni member, you're an automatic member. So join yeah. and join a committee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to, you know, wouldn't it be great if we came out of this with people really feeling a need to be involved and, yeah. and help the uh, university get back on its footing. It's mm. every university is suffering right now mm-hmm. financially And I think smaller universities like Youth Sciences just don't have, frankly, the large donor basis that like a Villanova or a Temple, there's just not that depth there. So making sure that people can, to the extent possible, help the university and help the students. And it was a large financial hit for a lot of students. A lot of students can't work. You know, they rely on work to, to help them pay their tuition. So many of them are furloughed right now mm. and so lots of ways to help the university community, not just the university mm. and supporting efforts in your community. so one of the things is really difficult right now and I think this would be could even be the you guys helping with this is incoming seniors this year are not going to be able to do college visits mm. like so how can we help them? You know, learn more about the university. Can we do things to encourage people in your community to learn about it?
0: That's a great point. I know that virtual college tours have become much more popular as a result of the pandemic because most people can't do physical college tours. I'm not sure if that, that's something that the university is considering or working towards, but I'm sure that's at least a great idea for us to kind of consider um, and, and help push forward transitioning from high school to college look like obviously that's a stressful time even without a pandemic so you know being in a pandemic is is a little bit more stressful so that's a great idea though yeah
2: yeah and I just want to I think one of the other things I'm thinking through for everyone is really maybe connecting more and and you guys are an inspiration on this. So doing, you know, what you're doing, you know, maybe having an opportunity where we, if we do do a virtual alumni meeting, is bringing other people in and talking about what you guys are doing and and how we can help promote that.
1: Yeah, yeah that would be great. And I, Rosemary, thank you so much for for all of that insight. And I guess I think this is a great platform to share this. I know at least we've told our listeners that if they ever want to help out, to contact either Jared or I or. Um, Is there anybody in particular they should reach out specifically for alumni association?
2: Well, Casey Ryan would be the direct contact for the alumni association. And he can tell you what committees are available and things. You know, our growth and development committee is doing a lot of great things. And I particularly am trying to attract people to be involved in that. Hmm. Because that's, you know, what I see as, for example, unfortunately, we had to cancel it. But our spring meeting this year, we were bringing some alumni back who are have recovered from substance use disorder and mm-hmm. bringing them in to speak on that. And so we, are, we intend to do several of those types of programs, like, you know, probably by Zoom this year, but continuing to have these conversations with alumni on things that are important in their life, not just around their professional mm. engagement, but other yeah. aspects of it. mm mm-hmm.
1: Of course. And so, yeah, everyone listening out there, there's there's definitely still a way to get involved, mm-hmm. um, even jumping on this podcast. It doesn't need to be something directly, It's indirectly, just like what Rosemary was sharing. I do want to get into uh, our last question, or of course, our, our most important question that Jared and I ask. Um, I know that this might be a whole separate podcast episode, and you've probably been answering this a million and one times, <laughs> but do you see possibly a new normal of us, or even just going back to the quote unquote normalcy? I mean, I don't want to answer your question before asking you, but I think around the conversations already, I think I know what we're leading to, but I guess, is there any more details you want to share possibly that new normal, even going back to normal quote unquote?
2: I think our new normal right now, and now this is really for Pennsylvania, but our new normal is the screen phase. And so you know, while we have been able to get to this point, and there is people pushing to have all the restrictions removed, I I fear, unfortunately, what is happening across the country when they pull back, we have quickly increased cases. And so we, I think the new normal of the green phase is going to remain for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the other question I get all the time is, when's the vaccine coming out? <laughs> <laughs> And there's lots of rumors about that. But the earliest that I ha- heard is early 2021. 20, and mm-hmm. and what I caution people is that the vaccine may be released, but you need to create over 300 million doses. We anticipate that people are going to have to get two doses. Mm-hmm. And their, public health has, you know, large scale pandemic preparedness plans that include, you know, distribution, it's what we call our medical countermeasures plan, and includes a large distribution of medication or vaccination to the population. But you can imagine, I'll use my county as an example, we have about 575,000 people, how quickly you can vaccinate that many people is not going to happen overnight. It's going to take several months to really get a large scale vaccination program operating and you know, really hitting everybody in the population. And then you expand that to the region and the state and mm. you can imagine yeah. that it's not going to happen quickly. Wow. So I'm cautioning people that there's a lot of emotions. Um, I mean, I'm worried about a lot of mental health issues coming out. So mm. I encourage people to reach out to your friends and listen to podcasts and, you know, do things that are good to connect with others. That's really important. Because this is going to be a long time. However, I'm encouraged by my 91-year-old father-in-law, who was born in the Depression, (laughs) went through World War II, served in the Korean War, the Vietnam War, survived 9-11 and all the other economic downturns ups and down. And his quote to me the other day was, and you too will survive this <laughs> and you will grow and you will have a life and everything is going to be okay. And it may not be everything that, you know, my poor daughter is getting, was supposed to get married in October and we've moved her wedding to next year. Yeah. Small thing compared to what so many other people are facing sure. challenges. Yeah. But I think nearly every person I've talked to has had some challenge from this. Yeah. And so you know, helping each other right now is really critical and being there just as a friend. Mm -hmm. And so if you haven't talked to maybe your college roommate for these sciences (laughs) lately, reach out to them and check in with them or just be there for each other is really, really important.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's I think that's a beautiful sentiment and a a perfect way to start to kind of wrap up our episode. And obviously, like Sean mentioned, this wouldn't be a 43rd and Woodland podcast episode without asking this question specifically so (laughs) rosemary can you tell us about one of your all-time favorite if not the favorite U sciences memories that you have
2: well i had so many of them (laughs) and i was but i would say when i received the young alumnus award in 2000 and i say that because that particular event the university had just finished building the new facilities and we crossed Forty third, you know, we crossed Woodland Avenue to the other side of what we call the other side of the campus. And then, mm-hmm. and the, you know, the gym was being built and all those good things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, prior to that, the campus was all the way across the street. So that particular, I felt like was really the new beginning of youth sciences and standing there, you know, it was, and the reunion was on campus and being honored that way was really, and having all my family there and several of my classmates was really a special youth sciences moment for me and got to reconnect with so many people, have great pictures from that moment, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. But that, I think that was, and to be honored like that was, you know, really didn't feel deserving, but I felt very honored to be chosen by my classmates and others from the alumni association.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You were so humble because I was going to say, I think you're probably the most deserving to, to get that award. And I'm, I'm grateful that, that you did because I think it really sets you up for the career you've done now. And yeah. even even giving back to not even just being on our podcast right now, which Jared and I can, can't appreciate enough, but just giving back to the community and really people can look up to you during these trying times and definitely want to end off this podcast with that, uh, that optimism you share that we will get through this and, and things will get better and we'll grow from this at the end of the day. So Rosemary, I can't thank you enough for joining us today on 43rd in Woodland yeah absolutely thank you
2: and and, you know can I just say feel free anybody to reach out to me I'm always available Casey can connect you but happy to always talk to her alumni
0: great thank you so much
2: thanks